I was made for this. For what? Let's talk about that. And uh, this is family night. Uh, so if you've got kids around you that need something, I'm going to try and keep this brief. But if you need to get up and go to the back or go to the lobby, that's fine. Uh, totally fine. We'll just keep on going. I've been given just a few minutes here to talk to you. And uh, I know this is a party. This is an appreciation event. So I'm going to uh, try not be too long or throw any water on this fire. But I want to take advantage of having all of our people in the room, all of our dream team, all of our leaders. I consider each one of you a leader in our church. And you've heard us say that. And then I've heard people on our team say, no, I'm not a leader. I don't have any leadership abilities. And uh, we think that the requirements of leadership is, are what we do or how good we are at what we do. But what qualifies a leader are not abilities. I need you to get this, grasp this. What qualifies a leader are qualities. I want to show you this out of the book of Daniel. Daniel and all the Hebrews were brought into exile into Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And they were brought into what's called Babylon, and the Babylonian king actually brought him, Daniel, to the palace to serve. And now he's serving this guy, a king named Darius. And it says that it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. That's just leaders. Satraps is leaders, they're mayors, uh, they're people who serve, but they serve from a leadership position to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So here's this Hebrew non-Babylonian, and what's so incredible about is in his leadership is that Darius said, I'm going to put you in charge of these people, even though you're not one of them. And watch this, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss, so the kingdom would grow and be successful. And I love this in verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself. So let's stop right there and notice he wasn't distinguishing he didn't have natural distinguishing abilities. He decided to distinguish himself. And I want to say that to you, that you have the ability by the grace of God to so distinguish yourself. And so Daniel distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his abilities. No, 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 no. By his exceptional qualities. In some translations there use an excellent spirit. And he just had a different spirit about him, just something different about him that was exceptional, a quality about him that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The king says, if you're going to be that way, you get the whole thing. You get the whole thing. If that's how you're going to be, I'm going to let you lead at another level that was beyond what I originally had planned for you. So what distinguishes someone with exceptional qualities? Well, I've been studying this. And I've been studying our church and our leaders, and I've been studying you because I want to know what makes Rockbrook different so that we can hang on to it. I want to know what makes Rockbrook unique so we never lose it. And I think there's four major qualities that you could look to that are what distinguish you and distinguish us and create an excellent spirit that when people interact with the people of Rockbrook, they go, there's something different. Something's up. And they are things that qualify you. So, so if these are the things that qualify you, they are what we value. So I'm doing something big tonight. I'm going to show you what we value. In fact, these are our staff values. So the Rockbrook leadership team, the staff, these are our staff values. And I consider you part of the team, really even at that level. So I'm giving these to you today. I want the whole, the whole dream team to take on the staff values because these qualities are what qualify you. And when I say that, I mean that these are the qualities that you have. I'm showing you what we already value. And so let me give them to you, and every one of them is huge. And the first quality or value that we have is that we follow Jesus. 
We don't just say it, we do it. That's what we do. We follow Jesus. In other words, we realize that ministry is an overflow of of our relationship with Christ. I'll put it this way. The number one gift that you bring to your church is not something that you do. The number one gift that you bring to your church in service is the fact that you're a Jesus follower. Let me tell you why. Because it spills over. It's contagious. People want it. People's lives are not changed because you handed them a worship guide the right way. People's lives are changed because they encountered someone who's been with Jesus and they want to follow Jesus too. And that's why the highest, biggest priority of your life is that you see yourself as a Jesus follower and you think of everything you do through the lens of I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus follower. That's who I am. I want to show you this cool verse. This is awesome. It's in Acts chapter 4. Jesus has just resurrected And now the church is getting going. Look at this with me. When they saw the courage, the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. The word in the Greek is idiotes. I'm serious. They said, look at the courage of these idiots. These are just dumb fishermen. They were astonished. And they took note. Why? Because these men had been with Jesus. Yeah, sure, they're just some idiots, but they've encountered something amazing. They have been with the King of Kings. And what I'm trying to show you is that what marked those disciples was not their natural ability. It was the fact that they were so close to Jesus that everybody wanted what they had. Your relationship with God, your love for Jesus is the most important thing. And I need you to bring that to your leadership position. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to give you three things. For each one of these, these, I'm going to give you uh, three action steps And the first way you live this one out is develop your closeness with Christ. Why Jesus Christ? Why Jesus? Why not God? Why not the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm actually asking you to be close to all three. But closeness with Christ is how you get there. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God's invitation to humanity was he sent Christ to earth and he said, come and see. Come and follow me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. If we want to know what the Father looks like, Jesus says, you look at me. Jesus said an advocate is coming. And what will that advocate do? He's going to testify about me. And that's exactly what happened. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell. And what happened? What did they do? They preached Jesus. It wasn't a minute after the sound filled the house that the fire fell and people were speaking in different languages of every person represented in that festival in the city of Jerusalem and instantaneously global gospel missions was happening in the name of Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit comes, this is how you know, know that he has really shown up among the people. When the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't want to talk about the Spirit all day long. This is how you know the Holy Spirit has filled a church and filled a person as they can't stop talking about Jesus. You can't shut them up about it. There's just testifying about Christ And the Holy Spirit longs to exalt Jesus and make it about the one whom one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And the Spirit loves to testify Jesus, so get close to Christ and therefore get close to the fullness of God. This is the greatest gift you you bring the church. This is the greatest gift you bring your family. This is the greatest gift you you bring your friends. Another way I'm going to continue to follow Jesus is I'm going to develop my character. In other words, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to point out parts of my life that grieve him. Here's how the psalmist David prayed it. He said, search me, know me, show me a place that offends you. God, show me what offends you in my life. 
and lead me in the way everlasting. So I have character flaws and I need the Holy Spirit to work on those. And I'll never achieve perfect, holy perfection this side of heaven, but I'm asking God, will you work on some of these character issues in my life? Because those things will, could keep me from my full potential. So we're asking the Holy Spirit. This is what leaders do. They invite God to work through some of the character issues. And the third thing you do is develop your calling. So this is where you work on what you do. Yes, we work on what we do, we, but we put it in the right order. You serve from who you are. So the best thing you bring to the table is, who am I? I'm a Jesus follower. But then you develop your calling. And it doesn't matter what your craft on the team is. But what people who are following hard after God is they ask, God, just develop the call in my life. Here's the second thing that we value and we embrace is that we love people. That is what we do. Now, some of you are people people. You do it naturally. In fact, one of these four values is probably really easy for you. But some of you, you're task people, and that's awesome. We need you because if it was all people people, nothing would get done. But you know, you're, you're more, more likely to walk into the room and see the chairs that are crooked than the person crying in the corner. <laughs> so we got to work on being people people because we're in the people business. And we have to de develop this quality of loving people. And this is my hope. And this is my commitment to Rockbrook Church as your pastor. My commitment to Rockbrook Church is that you'll never find another person that loves you more. That's my goal. You could go find a pastor who's more experienced. You could find someone with better leadership ability. You could find a better preacher. But you will not find someone who loves Rockbrook Church more than I do. And that is my goal. That's my calling. That's my commitment. And you got to make that commitment about those you lead. You may be a coach, you may be a team leader, you may be a leader in your family. Guys, your wife could probably find someone handier. They could probably find someone handsomer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you ought to say, no way she's going to find someone that loves her more. No way. Is the bride of Christ going to find someone that loves her more? No way are my kids going to find someone that loves them more. Love people. Look at Mark 10, 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They just bark out orders. And their high officials exercise authority over them. So in other words, they're just there to be in charge. Watch what Jesus says. It's huge. Not so with you, Rockbrook Church. We don't treat people like that. We don't bark out orders. We're not the boss. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his ransom for many. He gave his life. That's what pastors do. That's what leaders do. They bleed with the sheep. And that's why you're here. That's why you're on the team. You give your life. And that's the culture we're trying to put inside of every dream teamer here. One of, uh, to be a servant to everyone. So the first, first part of here is you got to put service over status. We walk into every environment where we are leading, whether it's a kid's room, a growth track room, or the stage, or small group, or whatever it is, and we're there for one reason, and that is to follow Jesus, let his love spill over into people's lives, to find what their need is, and serve them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus served, so I will serve. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to put we over me. 
So create a culture of valuing not only those who are serving, but the teammates we're serving with. Individually, we're amazing. Take any one of these people out, out of this crowd. Individually, you're amazing. Put us together, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. We can do so much more together than we can do individually. And to love people, we must put character over comfort. We pick up our cross. We grow up in Jesus. Be real with people. Be accountable. Open up the book. Take off the mask. Bring it to other people. Be accountable to someone. Get a little uncomfortable. Put character over comfort. I'll just say this before we move on. How do you know if you have the heart of a servant? How do you know if you're getting there in your life? How do you respond when someone treats you like one? And I want to be a servant when it's me going the extra mile, when it's on my terms. How do I respond when someone treats me like a servant? Number three, so we follow Jesus, we love people, and we remember why. And this one is important to God. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, do not forget, almost a dozen times, Deuteronomy 4.9, be very careful never to forget what you have seen God doing for you. May his miracles have a deep and permanent effect on your lives. Tell your children and your grandchildren about the glorious miracles he did. You got to find a way to keep the stuff you need to remember close to you. Bible verses, encouragement, stories of life change, because we tend to forget the things we should remember and remember the things we really ought to just forget. And that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to be a divine reminder. And when we serve, we got to remember, you got to remember you're not just putting on a guitar and playing guitar. You're putting on an axe in a spiritual warfare and you're fighting a battle for someone where there's a war over their worship and you're not just getting behind a keyboard, you're not just getting behind a soundboard, you're getting behind a piece of artillery and you're not just getting behind a computer and putting words up on a screen, you're uniting the church, giving them a song to sing. You're going to be the one that day that puts up a Bible verse and it's the first time someone that weekend has ever read a Bible verse in context in a God-honoring way that's ever been explained to them. I'm not just standing at the door handing out worship guides. I'm a door holder in the house of God. And people are going to say, I'm glad I came to church today because of you. You're not just inputting data. You're not just scanning a barcode. Each one of those people is a person with a story that God is conforming them into the likeness of Christ. I'm not just occupying a seat. I'm declaring the praise of the one who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Jesus said, if I don't praise him, I'll still get my praise. The rocks will cry it out. Well, hello, ain't no rock going to steal my praise. I'm doing it. I will open my mouth and I will praise the Lord. I'm not too cool. I'm not too proud. No rock is stealing my praise and nothing in this world is stealing my well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with that little thing. Come in and reign over much. Come and share in your master's happiness. Just try and hold me back. Just try and keep me from lifting my hands in victory and surrender. Just try and shut me up. No rock is getting my praise. I will praise the Lord. So what do we remember? What do we remember? You got to focus on some things. You got to shift your focus. You got to focus on the vision that we're bringing people to Jesus Christ so they can fulfill his purpose for them. I mean, that's amazing. It doesn't get any better. People are being, being brought in so they can know God, so they can find freedom from their past and, and what separated them from God. And they can discover a new purpose for their lives and they can make a difference in other people's lives. 
And I want you to be focused on the vision. We're going to start at least once a year having a vision weekend at Rockbrook because I just got to remind you of the vision of this place and the whole goal and what we're doing so you can focus in on the vision. Other thing you got to focus on is focus on changed lives. Lives are changing at Rockbrook. This weekend, I'm preaching a message, closing out US for it, on how to change. And guess what? People are going to hear it, they're going to take it seriously, and lives are going to change. This weekend, we're doing baptisms. We have 13 people signed up to be baptized this weekend. I love that we're 20 years old now. And I look out and I just see the stories of life change and marriages that have come back together and, and, and uh, forgiveness that's happened and relationships that have been restored and people who are, are being tugged on by, the, by God's call. I mean, you heard Patrick's testimony. Guess what? That's not an abnormal testimony around here. I mean, I, there were, any number of you could have gotten up here and told that story. It's working. Lives are changing. And keep your focus on heaven. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't give up. Your light and momentary troubles are achieving for you a glory that far outweighs them all. We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Focus on heaven. And here's the last one. And this one's big because it has directly to do with your attitude. So all of these are qualities, all these are values, but this one especially is about your attitude. And that is that we choose joy. You look at the history of Rockbrook, you study this group, we choose joy. It's the X factor. It's the thing that multiplies everything we do. I think attitude can get you further in life than anything else. And here's where attitude matters most. It's when you don't feel like it. This is why the Apostle Paul is so amazing. I mean, you couldn't beat him up. You couldn't get him down. You couldn't mess him up. Because he had the right attitude. They'd put him in prison. That's great. Thanks, guys. I've been meaning to catch up on my letters to these churches. So thank you for doing that. Now I can write some letters. They let him out. Thanks, guys. That's great. Now I got more churches I can plant. And more, more preaching I can do. He gets shipwrecked and flogged. He says, thank God, now I've got something in, in common with Jesus Christ. They'd threaten to kill him. Paul would say, would you? Because to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I can't really figure out which one is better. So if you just settle, settle it for me, go right ahead. I mean, what do you do to a person who's got this kind of attitude? You do nothing. But here's the key word. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. And this is why Paul, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, said, I'm, I am sorrowful. There's a sorrowful part of life. It's heavy. I'm a man of sorrows. Jesus was a man of sorrows, yet I'm always rejoicing. Poor, but yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. What do you do to a guy who's got an attitude like that? You can't beat him up. You can't take him down. So choose these things. Choose to be enjoyable. So... Dream teamer, when you walk into the room, take responsibility for the atmosphere of that room. And if it's not enjoyable, change it. I take responsibility for the atmosphere here on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. And I know people come in hurting, 
messed up, sad, broke, divorced, whatever it is they're going through. And it's my job to not be mean to them, to scold them, but to give them Jesus, to give them joy, to give them hope, to give them a promise, to give them laughter. And I take responsibility for how people leave. That's what leaders do. Take responsibility for the atmosphere in that kid's room, in that huddle, in that small group. I'm going to be enjoyable. Another thing you got to choose to do is choose to be positive. Next week, we start a new series called Choose Joy. And it's about how to stay positive in a negative world, getting your mind back to the way that you were created to think. It's five weeks long. And um, I could not be more excited about this series. And I know I say that about every series. (laughs) Uh, But I'm asking you, Dream Teamers, to uh, be here for all five weeks of that series. Take it seriously. Lean in with me. And it's going to change your attitude. Uh, We're going to go deep. We're going to have fun. It's powerful. I could not be... I don't even know what to say because I say I'm excited about all of them. But I'm just telling you I'm excited about this one. And we're going to learn how to choose joy together. That's what leaders do. That's what leaders do. The last one is choose to be loyal. Loyalty breeds joy. It's hard in a moment, but staying loyal to your church, staying loyal to your commitment, staying loyal to your friends, staying loyal to your families, it breeds joy. And when I go through hard times, I don't bail. I'm loyal to my family, my church, my friends, my commitments. So these are our values. You can just write them in those four lines or for you to write them again, just to get this. I want you to memorize this. I want someone to be able to say, hey, what are our values? You'd say, follow Jesus, love people, remember why, choose joy. Follow Jesus, love people, remember why, choose joy. And let me give you a theological nugget while you write that down. Have you ever wondered why there's four gospels? It's because there's four faces to the God we serve. And each one of the gospels gives us a different picture of Jesus. There's a different purpose in writing each one. And John John's gospel shows us Jesus as powerful and almighty and the great I am. John was trying to show that Jesus isn't just a person, but that he's God in the flesh and that he's worth following. So we follow Jesus and we we follow him. We carry his anointing, his power. Luke's gospel was trying to show Jesus as a person. He was God, but he was trying to show you how relatable he is. And that's why Luke has all these stories and parables in it. All the humanity of Jesus and his love for people. And Matthew's gospel has details and quotes about the Old Testament and genealogy and it ties together why all this happened. And Mark has all the miracles and and the healings and taking bad things and turning them into good and there's just so much joy. You just read through Mark and it just makes you happy. Even your Bible was written with these qualities. And as leaders, that's why it's important for us to embrace them. And we carry around the the very likeness of God when we serve this way. Come on, read this with me. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purposes over possession, positions, popularity, and pleasure. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, 
I'm ready anytime, anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin.